Hey everyone, welcome to 101.5 UMFM Broken Headphones Podcast. Today we sit down with a panel of artists, Chuka Dubami Kaigo, Hassan Ashraf, and Ali Gonzalo. Um, but yeah, welcome folks. I think we have some like um, 393 ASL participants here today. We have some graffiti art programming staff here with us today. We got some wonderful artists panelists with us today as well as a variety of just some like guests that are joining us and um, for our conversation with our topic of uh, pricing your artwork knowing your worth as an artist um, and yeah kind of kind of touch on a little bit of the program that we've been working on so our first artist Hassan Ashraf uh, Treaty One based Multidisciplinary artist Hassan Hashraf has been focusing on their skills as a painter and calligraphy artist for the last couple of years. Originally a lens-based artist, Hassan has tried to follow the spiral of change in their practice as they've focused on exploring a multitude of mediums throughout their art life. Their practice flourishes the most while collaborating with artists, friends who share similar values and political standing. They hope to continue their practice once the pandemic is a thing of the past and nourishment through community and friends become a possibility again. Currently, their focus is working as an artist, curator, and admin person at Take Home BIPOC Arts House, an artist-run center and community nourishment studio space. They open with myself, Annie Beach, Brendan Galley, and Sapphire McLeod in October 2021 for and by BIPOC folks exclusively. So... Welcome, Hassan. Thanks for being here. <laughs> Our next guest panelist is Chukwuduben Yukaigwe, who is a Nigerian-born song dispersed by a transient Atlantic breeze currently passing through Treaty 1 territory, so-called Canada. He consciously uses a variety of mediums to relay a plurality of ideas at any given time. He views his art practice as a conversation or a portal into one, and in some instances, as an interpretation of this ongoing exchange. Chukwu Duban weighs in on an occurrence, feeling, or idea on a scale, and then creates a narrative of his own language. He operates as an interdisciplinary artist, curator, writer, and cultural worker, and is the founder of Patterns Collective. And he is also the current editor of Plugin ICA's edition online. So welcome Chukwu Duban. Uh, Dubem also works through graffiti art programming as a visual arts instructor here and there. So great to have you through here as like a guest panelist for this occasion. And our third panelist is Ali Gonzala, is a queer first generation Philippinex man who settled in Treaty One territory back in 2016. Adept in social media and marketing coordination, Ali uses his skills to foster community engagement at the grassroots level. Additionally, he has over seven years of experience in photography and specializes in honest, intimate portraits. He's formally trained in the field of photography and has received education in history and political science from his motherland as well. Recently, he was commissioned by CBC to create and develop a body of work called Bakla, and that showcases the diversity of the queer Filipinx population in the diaspora and their connection to their pre-colonial roots. Well, that's all of us Yay! so nice to have you all here um what do you use as a focus point when you curate or create your art so for example when trying to tell a story or paint a picture 
what does that strategy look like for you? Okay, sweet. Um, yeah, this is a great question. So what I use when I'm curating my work changes from time to time. It, it always changes when it comes to the body of work I'm developing. But one important thing that I focus on is the, the, the bigger story of the whole thing. So I may start off with a prompt of like, say, for example, the, the Bakla project that I did. It started with a prompt from like a couple of years ago. And I just did my research about it and learned more about my identity through that and just created the narrative through photos. Um, so the so in that way, the photos can stand out or can stand for themselves on their own. But when they're together, they also appear as a cohesive thing. So that factors in how the gallery is shaped, how, the, how big of the prints are and stuff like that. Speaking for like, you know, print media and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I agree. Ali starts off, um, you know, with something and uh, and grows into, you know, the body of work, you know. Um, and I think one thing that should be taken to um, to note is like the work or the idea doesn't have to be complete before starting. Um, you could just have like you know a starting point, and while you're working on it, um, things kind of place themselves um, together and. Uh, um more conversations occur you know while going through this journey um i i think the process the art process is a very very important part of of being an artist to me to my practice <laughs> um and i i kind of always try not to finish off like you know an idea or to have it polished before i start um because of um i leave space for possibilities of you know what can happen because of like while you're working uh, you're making conversations, you're making, you're, you're writing an essay. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, that's it. And, and inspiration could come from different things. It could come from just your everyday life, it could come from something you consume, you know, what you consume, like what, what you watch, what you see, what you're reading, um, conversations you had, um, things you've noticed. Yeah, and, and it goes on, you know. Um, and one thing always leads to nothing, you know, you can work on a body of work right now that makes you think about another body of work and you go to that body of work and makes you so it's like um i would say doing is you know that act that act of doing is kind of like you know starting and doing makes everything i think that's like the kickstarter for for any artistic process i i pretty much echo the same uh, thoughts uh and for me um uh i think it's it comes from what problems I'm solving in my head um, and there I think I can focus on three uh, that are always going on in my head regarding art making one of them where where am I at emotionally at the time where am I at politically at the time and and then what medium or what materials I'm thinking about um, that I want to explore or want to continue using or want to do new things with. And that kind of, the, the kind of combination of these, uh, trying to answer these three questions kind of molds into whatever artwork I'm going to be doing. Um, I'm also looking at the question as, uh, yeah, well, that, that I, I don't, I never think of it as strategically, like I'm building a strategy for it. It's just, 
it's just really fun doing like you know making art so when once uh, you kind of started having fun and find yourself in the right place of making the work that's you know that's that's the place to be and uh you can just continue doing so and uh end up with uh, a body of work and uh, like the bem said uh even in my practice it's never i i never have a complete picture of what my final work is going to look like it's during the process that uh, I look at it and question it and change it, and then it it is what it uh, what it becomes. Mm -hmm. So this question of how do you balance getting value from your work um, and then getting buyers uh, for your work? Um, are there any tips that you use to make price points seem more reasonable, um, or how you adjust things regarding like your own work, and then maybe something that you kind of more adjust for a buyer? I guess I can go again. Uh, yeah, so what the balancing work uh, value, getting value for work versus uh, getting buyers for your work, right? So this is a very tricky situation to be in, especially when you're an emerging artist, uh, when you're still starting out. Um, I'll speaking for my case, my context as a photographer, um, the nice thing about uh, the digitization of photography is it's democratized. That's beautiful, that's lovely, there's room for everyone. Um, however, you will, because of that, you will get kinds of people who will be like, since they got a DSLR or a very expensive iPhone, they'd be like, I'm a photographer. Uh, they're, and they're gonna be like, I just started out, so why don't you pay me $20 an hour for your eight hour shoot? Say for example, that's the case. Um, it becomes hard to balance uh, valuing your work with these people in existence because even though, so say for example, when I do my pricing for work, I've done my research. Um, first, I do like a market research. I ask other photographers or other artists as well that provide a similar service to mine uh, and ask them, how much do you price? How do you structure uh, your work? Um, uh, the best way to do it, I find, is to do it by hour. Um, in the sense of, say, for example, somebody hires me for a photo shoot, it would cost, uh, and I, uh, and I, so start with the end goal, how much do you want to earn in that context? So a shoot would take an hour at least, plus two hours to uh, download, upload, whatever, plus two more hours for editing, and then uploading to your clients. So that's five hours. So you're, if you're working for five hours, just for that, plus your transportation and all that, that needs to be factored in as well. Because one thing we forget as artists is as soon as we get our hands on the art materials that we want, we kind of be like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, let's do this photo shoot. Yeah, I'll do a thing for you, blah, 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 which is lovely. Don't get me wrong. It helps you learn and grow as an artist. And that's great. But when you start to come to a place where you know that your work is no longer just worth below a living wage and you're underpaying yourself, that's an important thing, by the way. Uh, when you're pricing yourself at a low rate, you're underpaying yourself. You are not recognizing your value for yourself. So if you say, for example, a typical industry cost for a photo shoot is $350 here in Winnipeg. I am comfortable of having that as my price point. In a vacuum, if it's just me, I'll survive, right? As just that as my thing. However, if you have, like, going back to what I was saying earlier, if you have this uh, ton of other people who are 
you know, going into the photography industry, which is lovely, um, the, the problem there is that they don't see value within themselves. So they want to lower the value of the price of their work, which by uh, which in turn pulls down the other prices for other people's work, disregarding the fact of whether or not they're good or bad at what they do. So um, how do I balance that? First is I am strict with my pricing. You know, um, strict in the sense of I, I work on a sliding scale. So if my clients can't afford uh, $350, uh, but they need like, say, typically 50 photos is the yield, they only need five or 10. I'm more than willing to compromise and adjust the package for them, contextualize what services I'm going to give for them so you make them happy you make yourself happy as well because you you're earning money as well but you also have to remember there's there has to be a, a lower limit for you and an upper limit for you as well because um if the goal here is to live off your practice uh and that's the only thing you're living off of you gotta factor that in pay yourself a living wage recognize your value as as an artist and um be uh what do you call this? Um, believe in yourself, and that's what's going to help you uh, sustain and you know win the case towards like why should I pay you X amount of dollars? Yeah, I'll go. Um, I think uh, Ali has um, done a good job in you know talking about um, you know creating like figuring out value of your work. Uh, maybe I'll lean towards you know buyers and searching for buyers. Artists are worth thinking from a Winnipeg standpoint, uh, uh, in a sense, like, you know, um, all the opportunities can come from Winnipeg and all the buyers, all the pe people who kind of galleries and everything they can do is Winnipeg, um, which is not the case right now. You know, the world is very, very global. And um, I think people really need to know that and artists need to really remind themselves that, that um, Winnipeg is um, a small piece of what is possible when it comes to possibilities and um yeah and once you know that and you start connecting um yeah you know i think you know there are a lot of um resources like social media has been very very great some people uh don't even use social media but they are able to use um other um avenues like you know for example searching the internet for opportunities and uh, competitions and prizes and shows or whatnot, or submissions, call for submissions. Uh, I, I think me and um, Annie was talking about this a couple years ago uh, for artists, hashtag call for submission on Instagram. Things also happen in a ripple effect, you know, uh, you've done something or somebody has bought your work or somebody has collected your work or you've shown in a particular place or you won a particular prize or you went to somewhere, you know, for like a, a program or whatnot, done a workshop, like, you know, other people get um, exposed to your work, and from there, other people like also reach out to you. And like, just, uh, whose work is that? Oh, this is this person's work. Oh, wow, um, I'm having something. I'll love to. So it, it becomes like it's um, it's it spreads like you know, and you get more options as time goes um, organically. But like as emerging artists, you actually have to fight for things. Like <laughs> literally you have to look for stuff like um some things might come to you if you just like you know don't look for stuff but like yeah you have to actually go for it um and 
Um, yeah, it's, a lot of artists who um, do where it's like their whole life depends on this and they have nothing to fall back on. So that might make more sense to um, to you know artists you know in that sense and they, they understand how um, making art is one part of it. <laughs> uh, that's just one part of it. Uh, getting out there is another part of it, you know, uh, and, and being active and um, knowing about also knowing your limits too, because being active can be um, stressful and whatnot. So being strategic about how you go about things and how you make connections and how you meet people um, and also how you improve your work and when you're always thinking about your work. And, um, and sometimes things are kind of niched. For example, if you're working on a particular work that, you know, speaks to something particular, there might be um, an organization, an institution, or, or, or like a way of executing or showing that will fit to that. So it's like thinking about things in nuanced ways also helps. Yeah, the art world is hyper globalized right now. And there are a lot of artists in Ghana who have never been to Europe, but have shown in multiple galleries all around Europe in different countries. That's, that's, that's where we are right now in the world. So um, the artists here in Winnipeg, um, in Winnipeg, sorry, I'm not Winnipeg. Uh, the artists in Winnipeg uh, that um, have shown in multiple continents, like my friend actually in multiple continents, where she's not been to, you know, um, just because of like, yeah. So it's like making um, relationships is like, you know, and I think social media is again is a starting point. Following galleries and following people, and I, I don't think uh, it's necessarily like you know. I think we could still maintain that community uh, as Winnipeg and like you know helping artists each other and whatnot. But I think that going out and and uh, participating uh, as a global artist also helps community because of like you can also bridge conversations between two communities and two you know. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm really, really interested in like, you know, conversations between communities and, you know, like motifs and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I pretty much echo all those same thoughts as Ali and uh, the band. Um, and something I can add is uh, I, I feel, well, personally, when I've sold my work, um, I've always uh, um, tried to make, make, the, make the work that you want to make. Don't, don't make the work that you want to sell. Um, and uh, when you put your truth in your work, that's the value in there. And uh, that's the value you will put, you, you know, you will feel good about putting a good price on. And uh, people who will buy that work for you, from you will also feel good giving you that price. Um, and that's, that's something that I've learned from my friends uh, and, and watching them sell their work. I, I was not confident in selling my work for a long time, but but uh, doing it and just, I was pleasantly surprised how supportive people are uh, uh, and around you. And from what Ben was saying, like make, make, make a good, like put your work out there, uh, uh, reach out and show your work um, to different, uh, to your friends too. And you know, that, that, matters so much like people in your vicinity um because so many times artists are not confident about their work but when you get validation on your work you know you you feel good about it and um so share your work a lot 
and uh, reach out to institutions, to your friends, apply for things, um, apply for as many things as you can. Um, if you apply for a hundred things, you'll get five of them for sure. You know, it's so just, just it's that's the, and I totally understand being artist. It's very hard to put yourself out there because you're putting your, a piece of your heart out there, and it's really scary. But whenever I've done it, I'm always like, I I should have done this sooner. <laughs> Why didn't I do this last month? Uh, so it's it's always a good experience doing it. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, I think um, yeah, not sacrificing what you want to make um, for this like imaginary idea of like what people are looking for because you don't really know and um, what people are expecting. And then I think that's the idea is that if you make stay true to like really what you want to make and like that truth and that value of like what you are to your core people can see that and they resonate with it and they want to buy your work. And I think that's like a pattern I've seen through um, artist friends, like all of you, but also others and myself and just, um, yeah, I think that no matter what, like as long as you're getting yourself out there and, and having and sharing it, uh, people are going to resonate and, and want to support this work. So that's great. Thank you. Um, and I guess that kind of like echoes into like, a question a couple of questions that Jordan had shared um that'll kind of like we touched on like social media a little bit um because this, this question of like how do you get your art to have the most exposure um so I think like touching on maybe what social media looks like for all of you where do you show your artwork online if that's the case um where do you show your work to get the most exposure um and then do you consider these things of like um uh, promoting your work and maybe these limits of like uh, how to share it safely, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this is a great question. Um, so the first question, how do I, how do you get your art to have most, the most exposure? Um, I'm going to preface this by saying have a lot of patience. Um, second thing I'm going to say is that learn where your, where the most of your demographic is. So we have, we all have like a crap ton of social media platforms out there. Um, some photographers flourish on Facebook because that's where their markets are. Some photographers flourish on Twitter because that's where their markets are. Because these are age groups we're talking about um, in a way. And for me, as you know, as an anxious, depressed millennial, I'm on Instagram. And I've been on Instagram since the time, since time immemorial. I have never changed my username, by the way. Anyways, point is... Um, <laughs> so patience with that because uh, so learn where your where your demographic is or your potential clients would come from and go there and learn the ins and outs of that platform. A lot of social media is free right now. I mean, all of social media is free because you're the product. But point is, um, that's where I start with it. Where do I show it? Um, aside from Instagram, I also have a website. So here's the thing. Once a, an image or once any form of digital media gets uploaded onto the internet, it's there forever. There's nothing you can do. Now, the saving grace of social media is that they're, they are all uh, smaller files. So if someone tries to steal a file from you, uh, unless they have some expensive AI to reconstruct an image, they can't capture the original image. So it's not authentic in the first place. Will it be stolen? Yes, absolutely. Will somebody probably take credit for your work? Probably. But here's the challenge for you. You should say you should come to a, you should you should your goal should be coming to a place 
where where even if they don't know your name, they know your work. You know what I mean? So it's that recognizability that you want to build in order to create that exposure. And the thing is, you don't have to have a big, you don't have to cast a wide net to capture a lot of people. You don't need a lot of um, all the fish in the sea. You just need a, the, the best ones to, to, to do your work for, right? Um, so how do I make them buy my stuff? How do I get that call to action in their head? Well, uh, going back to the website thing, the website is an experience for them. Treat it as a virtual storefront in a way. And what do you want? Think of it from a retail perspective. And I know it's very businessy and capitalist, but it's all about getting money for you as an artist, right? So think about what you want when you walk into a store. What do you? What kind of people do you want to walk into that store and want to buy your products? What kind of products do you sell? Think about what kind of people would buy this? You know, and market for that. Target those kinds of people because, let's face it, no, not everyone will like your work, and that's great. Because if everyone likes your work, is your work really like that good? If it's all palatable for everyone and anyone, so if you hone in on what kind of work you're doing, and at the same time, sorry, my cat is scratching my lap out. Uh, <laughs> if you hone in your work and uh, create an experience for them, and provide them with a reason why they should work for you, that's going to work. For me, what I do is tell them, hey, there's a lot of photographers out there, but when you work with me, here's what you're going to get. You will not be told to do anything. Uh, you will not be told to be like, do whatever makes you comfortable. You will not be told, you know, just be yourself. No, because the first thing that happens is when there's a camera in front of you, you freeze, you become anxious. It's a power relationship. I acknowledge that and use that to uh, to my advantage in the sense that, yes, boundary setting. Yes, that's so correct. Um, and uh, yeah, like create, um, uh, give, give them a reason why they should hire you. And that's all I'm trying to say here. <laughs> very long-winded, but yeah, it's a very photography-focused thing and digital media-focused thing. So I do have a lot to say about that. Yeah, but this is a great question. Thank you. Amazing. Thanks, Sally. <laughs> yeah. Um... One thing I want to re-quote from Ali and Hassan is, you know, Ali said, um, Hassan said, be very true to your work. And that is um, very important. And when that is combined with what Ali said about patience also, then that is the recipe. Um, uh, yeah, those two things are, are very important. And, you know, patience, like, um, and knowing, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to say something that um, it's not, uh, yeah, the most practical thing, but faith um, in your work is, is really um, important. And uh, knowing that you're doing, you know, uh, what you have to do and, and doing your best in what you have to do. Um, and um, yeah, the idea, like in this age, the idea of, you know, exposure is kind of, uh, it can be fickle. Uh, because you can be the most popular person today and nobody cares about you tomorrow because your stuff might be empty. It could just be just aesthetic and um, uh, no real substance. So uh, I would say the focus shouldn't be being the most popular. Like I would say in everything you're doing, you should have do it well and do it with intention. Like Ali spoke about the websites, you know, it should be very well. Like. Uh, one thing my friend was telling me was like, you know, um, she's a painter and um, whatever painting she makes, she writes about it for her personal use. And, and that really um, 
makes it like you know um, uh, uh, makes her understand her work better, but also she can easily talk about it. You know when she has to talk about it because she's written about these paintings. You know individually, um, and you know these questions are, are quite. You know we are talking about um, so we're think, talking about some things in, in broad senses, but you know we're talking about mediums. Um, so for example, photography, paintings, those things can be butts, you know, as objects, you get what I mean? Uh, but you have other, you know, mediums that can, they are not material, for example, sound and, and video and like, you know, other stuff. Um, so I, I think it's kind of like with every medium, then you understand what you're actually doing. So for photography, you have like, you know, multiple, you, you know, you have editions or, or prints. So, you, you know, how many, how many do I want to have of this? particular photograph and how do I want to show it? Like, how do I want to print it, you know? And how much does it cost and, you know, all those things. Uh, and how can I show it to people and how can I get it out there? Um, if it's sound, what am I going to do? Like, you know, video, what am I going to do? Am I going to post snippets online? Am I going to look for submissions online to submit my videos to? Uh, how do I make money from it? Like, you know, thinking about things, like I'm making plans and doing research is, is very, very important for like, you know, whatever medium uh, you're in. But also, I, I would say there is that uh, uh, internet trending. Uh, I think we have all like been there once in a while, but like, I don't know, it's not the most, like the most important artist I know right now. Um, uh, maybe Instagram, like Instagram is a tool. So maybe it's a tool for exposure. And once you've got any particular exposure or whatnot, then you have to really like I don't know. I, I think Instagram is great for exposing your work and social media is great for exposing your work, but it should be that like I don't know, it shouldn't be everything. <laughs> uh it shouldn't be everything. Uh, and it gets to the point where it's like you create other channels when your work is well exposed already. Um you create other channels for you know moving your work. Um for example you might get a relationship with the gallery where it's like a gallery represents you and they do most of like whatever they have to do like you know press and whatnot um or you know you you go into a competition uh, uh one thing that's really underrated is being active in your local community um and like you know actually talking to people about their work and being interested in other people's work maybe even writing about other people's work and visiting other people's studio visits and whatnot because of these things, especially if they work in the same medium as you, because these things are very, very nuanced and particular, you might get a tip or a secret from somebody that you wouldn't have known if you didn't visit that person or if you didn't have this communication with this person. So um, I am a big fan of groundwork and <laughs> and like physical interaction, like a um, one-on-one -on -one interaction, you know, you know, personal interaction. It might not be physical, it might, you know, personal interaction with people and having this, I think that's very, very important. Uh, word of mouth um, and uh, Hassan said uh, something about showing people your work um, uh, and your friends and having people because yeah I, I think it's as important as Instagram but um, the person who asks question also asks questions about like uh, uh, the how can you protect yourself um, you know from people reading your work um, uh, yeah it's kind of like what Alice said it's, it's inevitable <laughs> And it was even a big part of art history during the postmodernist period, right? Taking other people's work and re, you know, 
reusing it. It was a big part, like, you know, there are a lot of artists who have done a lot of things, you know, following the work of Duchamp or even the Mona Lisa, you know, <laughs> or remade Mona Lisa, you know what I mean? And it's like, these are things that the artists can't control, but we know that like, you know, the authentic, just trying to keep it, you know, as authentic and also be very careful about your work. Uh, some people, some people, when they make their websites, they make sure um, you can download the image. Like there's a way you can do it where you can download the image. Yeah. The only way they can get an image is a screenshot, you know? So like, yeah. Um, I came from the same thought. Uh, about, um, I think with, with, with what Ellie and Debem said about being patient, also be consistent. Be consistent with your practice. Keep just do keep on doing it. Um, and patience is patience and consistency and is our, our key. Uh, just keep on doing it and and uh, I I feel about work being copied. I don't think artists should worry about that, uh, especially from the internet because pictures they they get they're already compressed when you upload them and they get further compressed when you download them. So they're, they're, you know, the more they're being transferred and thrown around, you, you'll always have the original pictures and uh, uh, the best quality of them. So, um, and again, you know, if you're being copied that much, that's take that as a compliment uh, that, you know, your work must be very good that it's being copied that much. Um, and uh, I don't think you, the artist should worry about that anymore. Um, what else? And yeah, about Instagram, like the Bem said, like it's when you log on, when you open the app, as in like open when you want to sell your work, open it with the intention of doing that. Use it as a tool for what it is. Just use all the things that it has to offer in your favor. Um, and uh, um, yeah, um, I totally lost my train of thought. I had it. Really nice point I want to make. Um, I'll just read a question again. Um, yeah, uh, about, uh, I think it was about, net, yeah, again, about, you know, networking and uh, doing, like the Ben said, studio visits are really good. Just ask for, be upfront and ask for studio visits from your, you know, people you're inspired from. Um, throw them an email and show, again, show your friends work, show people around you your work and, you know, show, do it again and again because you might, you know, some, maybe you, for instance, you had a studio visit Ali and Ali might have a project in their mind, you know, and, and you might be the right person at the right time. That happens so much. Um, so, just always just, you know, but get in the habit of just always trying to show your work to uh, people around you and on the internet and everything and uh, spread the work because it's, you know, with the internet, it's become so much more easier um, to, to, to spread it around. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So sometimes when we're pitching about value, also later on, I think a question is going to come where we're going to, I'm going to talk about like contracts, um, you know, later on, but value can, there's, I don't think there's any real formula for value and knowing how to make a formula for the value of work, um, 
intuitively is important. Um, but also value is something that is dynamic in the sense that it's not static, it's exponential, you know, and it grows, you know. Uh, and sometimes you have to know where you are and be honest with yourself. And like, you know, I'm an emerging artist right now, you know, this is where I am right now. And like, you know, um, I don't mind selling my work for these. And, uh, and uh, as time goes on, it's going to just uh, organically uh, shape itself in the sense that you start selling your work based on how, like how much you sold your last work and the size and whatnot, or how much, you know, like, you know, and sometimes the value of your work is more than the hours you put in, you know, um, it's kind of more than like, because of like, sometimes the value of work come from the hours of research and the years of working on as if, you know, let's say whatever you're doing, a photographer, a filmmaker, it's not just because of like, I can do this in five hours or, you know, in, in, in 10 days, then I should be paid. No, you've been doing this for long. Uh, and that's why you can be able to do this in 10 days. Um, but, you know, gradually and gradually your prices, you know, will start increasing and like, you know, get to particular points. Um, and it's not about who sold the most. <laughs> uh, and I made this analogy recently in a meeting I was having with um, some friends where it's like, if your work really worth $500 a pop for one, uh, and you have five of those work, uh, will you rather sell one of those for $500 or sell three of those for $100 each? Uh, that's where patients come. It's so like you sold three, but you've gotten $300, but you could have waited and just sold only one and, you know, keep the rest for whenever, but you sold, you got your value for $500. So uh, there's no such thing as being, uh, well, there can be such thing as being too expensive or whatnot, but the idea of, oh, your stuff is being too expensive. Sometimes it comes from a place of the person who is patronizing being hyper cheap or kind of not recognizing your work. Um, so I think sometimes you have to know that and also know where you are. Once you know where you, where you are, nobody can tell you anything because of this is a very, um, <laughs> I've seen crazy numbers over the last few years. Like not, I'm not talking about myself, I'm about like other artists, like, you know, who have friends and, <laughs> um, and I've seen, you know, crazy numbers that are like not based on, like they're based, they're changing and they're like, you know, uh, and they come, you know, organically and there are people who buy it. Uh, people who buy these things and it's not safe, like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, putting the value for your work uh, uh, and, and being patient, like, and, and knowing that, like, these things can be, uh, you know, if you need money right now, you need to pay the bills, sell that work, you know? <laughs> you know, like, you know, other times you can wait. Like, I think it's kind of knowing being able to be malleable and flexible in that way of, of knowing how you even move your work. You know, sometimes there are people who are specialized, who are specialized stuff in doing this thing. So we have a relationship with a gallery, you know, um, can help or uh, maybe showing your work in some way because of like when people see your work, then they are interested. So maybe having shows or maybe submitting for your work to be placed somewhere um, because if nobody sees your work, nobody's going to buy them. And like, a lot and and that's where the limit of Instagram is. Uh, I was like people who spend all day on Instagram uh, might not be people who might, who might for their work. Uh, so 
looking at other channels um a place near work and you know you know and even with instagram particular people sharing your work for example curators or, or, or galleries sharing your work it's more than uh the uh particular uh the even yeah networking should be should be very purposeful too because there's a lot of networking that also comes back to the analogy i made uh where it's like there might be one networking that might be more valuable than 10 other networking you know so kind of knowing to put your energy in um and also growing like i don't think your price is only stuff that's meant to be growing your work is also meant to be growing even more importantly than your price or whatnot and, and the conversation you're making and like i think that's where the, the the foundation should be like you know um how like you know how what what am i doing and what can I, how am i growing like be be like you are very very intentional and very um cognizant of your growth as an artist and your ideas um when that is happening then also that also like you know translates to other things you know and yeah finance and whatnot but at the end of the day there is no one way these things are not linear uh there are lots of ways of doing lots of things like even when you think about you know just an image like a two-dimensional image there are a lot of ways that could be you know doesn't have to be sold to one person there are like different avenues for for you to get money from that so um i think knowing what you're doing and like looking for all the possible like you know outcomes but the only way you can get all the possible outcomes is meeting people and, and talking to people and having relationship with people uh, that are intentional and, and specific awesome such good insights y'all yeah um you, like with Dubem touching a little bit on like artist contracts i think just being like a little mindful of time we are past seven already um so i think we could squeeze in one last question um kind of regarding that topic of um osani mentioned in a question that i was passed along of like how do you bounce back from taking financial loss and i think like i was also kind of wanting to touch on a little bit of you know a lot of these art jobs um and opportunities are kind of like precarious where you're brought in for maybe like one-time opportunities and then there's these like unforeseen circumstances that can turn up um that maybe um and for me like each experience i learned something new of like okay in the future if i have a, like a contract or like expectations of what to ask and what to expect um so yeah how do you bounce back from financial loss or how do you navigate like an artist contract or these expectations when entering into these these opportunities mm -hmm. um i can go uh so how do you bounce back from financial loss um learning this hard way I will say that just because somebody made an inquiry with you for an exciting amount of money doesn't mean you get to spend that money immediately. <laughs> so that's one way to avoid financial loss. But um, so here's what works for me. Um, I have been a photographer for seven years. And technically, if I choose to, I can work uh, as a, as a freelancer but pandemic whatever so now i work with creative manitoba and personally this formula works for me because i work in social media and this has been something that i've been doing it's what i do for work uh at my day job but it's also the stuff i need to do 
for my personal job. So it's it's a good combination of things. I'll admit I lucked out with this. This is a privileged position to be in, to be happy with the job that you're in and and still be able to do a practice. Because believe me, I've worked in an office before where I told myself, oh, this is going to be a good office job where I can buy lots of gear, where I can do my work and practice my art. Burnt me out. So that's one thing. Uh, when it comes to contracts, one of the common things that I deal with is they're like, oh, why is it so dark? Why is it so noisy? Why do I look like this and stuff like that? So for my context, what I do is include that in the contract that there are things that are outside of my control. So say, for example, if it rains, the photos are going to be like, uh, what do you call this? Overcast. It's like you can't expect a sun flare from a rainy day, you know? Um, if, say, for example, uh, it's uh, a grainy, you know, it has high ISO, uh, whatever, in the photograph because it's low light situation. You have to like also learn how to educate your clients in a way um, that is not condescending and patronizing. Don't throw jargon at them. Just let them know that, uh, j- j- talk to them in a way that will reassure them that you know what you're doing, that you are experienced in what you're doing and that they can trust you with what with what they hired you to do. Um and then for Annie's question of like, yeah, it's very precarious. You only get hired one, uh, uh, what do you call this? Once in a while for one-time jobs. That's a huge problem for sure, uh, especially if you want this to be your full practice. Um, how do, uh, uh, go, with what Hassan said earlier with like the networking part of just like, show your work to people. Like, uh, there's no, I mean, yes, of course, you can, there's anxiety and you're you're shy and all that stuff. But remember that it's only a performative thing. You don't have to be a full extrovert and you don't have to be not shy to show your work. Start with people you know, like, hey, Annie, Hassan Dubem, what do you think about my work? You know, because I'm comfortable with you folks, right? Start with people you know. Those people will know people who know people who know people and so on. Um, most of the work that I've been doing with, with return clients is because um, they've met me and I've made sure that I've charmed them. You know, in my head, as much as like I'm uh, an introvert, I know when to turn it on. You know, it's like, oh, this seems like a potential client. Hey, how's it going? Oh, you want a snack? Oh, here's some water. Oh, do you want to take a break? Make a good experience for them. If they have a good time with you, they're going to come back. At least that's what works for me. <laughs> Thank you. No, yeah. Um, yes, you know, uh, like Ali said, uh, putting things right is very important. And, and, and something that I kind of have just um, learned about a year plus now, um, or have been practicing a year plus right now, if you had an experience where you could change, um, you know, by talking and doing things another way, like in the future, then you can do all those things. But if you have like, if you uh, go into uh, situations where like there are possible outcomes that could uh, affect relationships or particular stuff, you can put things right and um, and don't be afraid to do so or shy to do so. Um, I think it's important and, you know, is different ways, you know, it's like, for example, you are working with particular people and you're like, 
don't use my image for this. Don't use my image for that. You don't use my, you get what I mean? Like, you know, so you don't have law. Don't use my work to promote this kind of stuff or this kind of stuff um, in the future, even though you've bought it, you know? Um, I think it's very, very important uh, and stating things and getting people to sign. Um, I will just, I'm going to talk about like my, my contracts I, I, uh, I, I made, like, you know, uh, for anybody who buys my work uh, because of, What's been happening? Uh, and then, so there's a, there is the art world and there's the art world uh, <laughs> where, um, and it could be hyper um, commercial and hyper like, uh, I will say aggressively commercial in a way where it's like uh, people like, you know, there's a culture of like, uh, of buying like value, there's a culture of value and, and commerce in the, in the art world that a lot of people don't know about. Um, but last two years, a lot of um, black artists um, were subject to flipping, um, which is um, something that's common, like, you know, um, where they buy your work, you know, as a young artist, you know, who is very promising, you know, for let's say a couple thousand dollars. I'm just going to call numbers that are not pin to anything, uh, let's say let's say five thousand dollars, six thousand dollars, and they wait for four years or whatnot, five years, and later go sell that same work at you know Christie's or uh, Phillips or um, the Sotheby's for hundreds of thousands of dollars, to as a secondary sale, <laughs> and the artist doesn't get any of that money, which is very unfair, you know, uh, and there are people who actually do this, they really do this, do this, so like they go buy work and they flip it and they, you know, which is kind of very sad. And, and artists are kind of mapping out contracts for themselves, you know, saying you can't sell my work in the next five years after you bought it. Um, you can't, and if you sell it in this next five years, let's say to a museum or whatnot, for a higher calling or whatnot, then 20% of the sale price goes back to the artist. And after these five years, you know, if you ever sell my work, 15%, 10% goes to the artist. Um, you don't have any right to my work in the sense that you can't make prints of my work because of you bought my work, you know, like just stating all those kind of things that, you know, you're not going to be comfortable with in the future. Uh, if I have a, um, uh, a, a, what do you call it? What those shows that kind of like brings all your work together, like Laurie's having and, and, and plugin, um, uh, a retrospective, like, yeah, if I have a retrospective or whatnot, I can bring, I can take, borrow my work without charge, you know, like I can have access to my work, you know, from for a show in the future, you know, like all those things that you know that should be okay and normal, but you never know people, you know, you get what I mean? So all those things that you think uh, that could happen in the future, because you have a relationship with this work, a real relationship with this work, you made this work, and uh, anything you know, any outcome you know in the future um, that could go wrong for you, you try to kind of like, fix them in this contract. So I have like a list of what I do. And the artists, I don't know, never, nobody has ever had a problem signing the contract. Uh, and if anybody has a problem, then you know that person has bad intentions. So uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say, like this, this, um, these contracts are very, very like uh, specific to what I'm trying to do or to me. Um, but I think it's important for artists to map contracts that are specific to them, you know? Uh, so uh, you are, because it could be vicious out there and I think it's important you know that, that it could be vicious. And one way you could map a contract or figure out things is if you go to, if you go through something bad or awful, 
you can you can correct that for the future. You can correct what has been done in the past, which is okay, um, but you can correct that in the future. Um, yeah, contracts, important. <laughs> it's a whole thing now. Yeah. Um, speaking on contracts a little bit, I, I wanted to speak about the if you're getting commission to make work or commission to do a project as an artist, it could be anything you're hired for a workshop, um, um, a mural project, anything like that. Um, make sure you're doing a contract with uh, whoever is hiring you. A lot of the times you will, people would not bring up the contract or would wanna just, just tell you that we'll pay you this amount of money and there's no contract um, and to get the work done and you'll never know when you get paid that money. Um, and so th those terms are never talked about. So it's, it's about very, and it's, it's very easy to get dodged uh, into working without a contract. I have been, I, I, I've suffered through this thing even recently, you know, it happens that often. So always make sure um, that you're doing a contract. Always ask for, uh, always feel that you are, you're the artist. They want you to do the work. You will have the power to negotiate pricing, terms, time, schedule, everything. When companies or businesses or organizations come at you with an assertive thing that, you know, this is how it's going to be, that's all, false you're the you're in charge um so always feel that you're in charge um and the this the tiny thing i used to do when i was used to work as a freelance filmmaker in pakistan was that i would always ask for uh 50 of what they owe me in advance before i even move a muscle they have to pay me that much before i move anything and then 35 percent, i would ask when they would come to see the work, my, the work and the editing process. And then 15% would be when I delivered the work. That always just kept everybody on time, on schedule, on, you know, there was no funny business because of that. So that's my strong suggestion. I completely agree with that. Cause like, uh, I also take non-refundable deposits Hi, uh, emphasis on non-refundable, by the way. Uh, usually that scares people, but what I do to like ease their fear is that, yeah, it's non-refundable, but it goes, it gets deducted to your total balance for me, which you need to settle on the day of the shoot, by the way. Like Hassan, they don't, uh, they they will have to pay for the work before, before they see the work. Um, and uh, yeah, um, what I say is that, yeah, it's non-refundable, but you can reschedule an infinite number of times with me. So in a way, it's like a, 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 what do you call this? Um, you're reassuring them that, no, I'm not running away with your money. <laughs> Relax, calm down. I do like your money, but I'm not going to steal it. Like, you know, anyways. <laughs> yeah, totally. For painting also, like, you know, like also, yeah, don't, don't send your work to somewhere else or to some other country without being paid for it. <laughs> And also being paid for shipping and paid for like whatever transportation to where you're gonna ship it or whatnot. Those are important. Um, one other thing about like contracts is like making your contracts is important and like signing contracts is important, but also reading contracts they tell you to sign is also very important. Reading everything, and if you're not cool with anything, you tell them to change it. 
like reading contracts, a lot of people have been caged in situations because of they didn't read the contracts they were given to sign. So reading contracts and sometimes they sneak in things there under your nose because of the feel, you know, when they say, uh, what do you call it in, on your phone? Accepts what they call it. We don't read, we don't read, we just swipe, swipe, swipe. Oh yeah, terms and agreements. <laughs> in the real life, oh man, you can be in, you could, you could sign yourself into becoming a slave, you know? That is true. Like, you know, actually people, a lot of musicians are in slave relationships with, you know, managers and um, and labels and stuff like that. And even artists are like, you know, in slave relationship with these people where they can't go away because of they are legally binded to, you know, so reading stuff and being careful and taking some days, don't rush to sign anything. Taking some days to take your time to read things is very important. So. Mm, totally. Uh, like even myself, I've gotten like recently like burned from like, it was this like quick turnaround. They were like, I need something in two weeks. And I was like, oh yeah, willing and like willing to do that. Um, I get them whatever it was, the piece. And then they have like additional things that they want from me. And I'm like, I actually didn't agree to that. And then just like dropped contact with me and I never got paid for it. And it's like, this happens. And like, like Dupin said, like, you know, you can't change these like mistakes, these hiccups that you've had in the past, but knowing and learning from these experiences and how to um, keep them, keep them in mind in the future for, yeah, these, these contracts in the future that um, either making yourself and like being like very like stern on like, you know, some money up front or whatever it might be, these dates that you get paid by. Um, it's like, it's all really important to, to keep in mind and so thank you everyone for sharing all that and yeah enjoy the like sunshine stay hydrated stay cool and yeah thank you so much <laughs> thanks everyone thank you bye everybody thank you so much bye bye guys Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Broken Headphones podcast on 101.5 UMFM with our guests, Chukadubami Kaigo, Hassan Ashraf, and Ali Gonzalez.